My name is Hao, and I beat the often path by building an autonomous jetpack that allows everybody to fly. Welcome back. Joining us today is Guan Hao Wu, co-founder and CEO of ExoVolar. ExoVolar aims to augment our main mobility tool, the legs, to make flying as simple as walking. Yes, you heard that right. The combination of jet engines, exoskeleton, and their patented thrust vector nozzle design allows the legs to fulfill their destined duty to support and move our body like a certain heavily trademarked action movie franchise character. You know, what's his face? I love it when somebody attempts the truly ridiculous and flying in a suit like Steel Dude that's his name, right? Isn't it? Uh, is a bold, audacious, ridiculous concept that's just too fun to ignore. So right now, here's Guan Hao Wu. I'm Ross Palmer, and this is Beat the Often Path. Well, welcome to the show, Hao. So yeah. autonomous jetpacks. You know, yeah. why I wanted to have you on the show is because when we think about what the future is supposed to be, everybody is supposed to be flying around. We're not supposed to still be on cars. We're all supposed to be able to fly around in cities. So why hasn't that happened yet? Why can't I do that right now? Yeah, yeah. So uh, I get asked this a lot. Um, the the cartoon, the Jetsons, right? Yeah. It's a little uh, uh, people mentioned this years ago. Yeah, this to me a lot. It's a little beyond where I grew up uh, in terms of era. I never watched it. I'll be honest, but I know the references. Where I got the inspiration from is mostly Iron Man. Let's let's be honest, right? Like yeah, uh, the Marvel movies when I first. I wasn't gonna was mention it because I didn't want to get sued, but the fact that you did. Well, you can blur it out when people just know. You <laughs> that know? was inspired by the uh, certain superhero. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a superhero that yeah. So <laughs> yes. So why are we not flying yet? Well, technically we are. Helicopters are all over the place, and uh, they're just heavy, big, loud, and expensive. <clears throat> Helicopters are equivalent of flying cars. That's, I think that Elon said that too. Or yeah, okay, all like, right, I buy that. Uh, yeah, but like those are things are not really for uh, people, like ordinary people to just go around. It's not like a car you can just drive, right? And there are companies working on air mobility, <clears throat> namely, I can drop names, right? It doesn't matter because they're just yeah, of course. free marketing for them. You know, it's like <laughs> Lilium, Archer, um, and uh, some other eVTOL company. They're building small from one person to six people air taxi that allows person, people to either be piloted or autonomously go from point A to point B within the city or between uh, close by cities. So one challenge for this industry, technically the industry we're in, air mobility, is regulations. Right? Like, um, why are we not flying here? Because, um, National, the national, the U.S. national airspace is the safest airspace in the world, and the FAA's intent, they intend to keep that record going, and they're really diligent about that. We'll be, we'll have conversations with them, of course, and they are, uh, they're singular mission. They don't want an idiot like me to have a few drinks and strap on a jet pack and then go fly myself into a building or something. Exactly, exactly, (laughs) exactly. Yeah. And there's always a risk of, you know, technology going around. Uh, wrong that just flying into something. All of the airplanes that were flying, there being thousands, millions of flying hours uh, behind them. So to get a new type of aircraft into the air is really, really hard. And I believe that's where 
of all the areas everybody in the company are stuck unless you're in a place like uh, UAE or uh, or China or other countries Australia is one I believe with more relaxed regulations but <clears throat> to get this thing off the ground right we think about this question a lot how do we get to the point where flying is ubiquitous like it's everywhere we have to commercialize somewhere else first that's where we arrived at you know that is why we're taking the entertainment route like we're making a case for recreational use for personal mobility because right? we envision the system in the future where people just take uh you can take it out of your garage and you can fly to other places but like before that we need to get into the view of public first public perception and credibility is one of the one of the things we're looking to build with the commercialization in entertainment but because like if you get people to see it right now like they can go and try in the future when we launch they, they will be familiar with it that's the that's the assumption right? we're testing so going back to what the entertainment product is basically just a jetpack and we're going to be either it's going to be either tethered or flying over water so it's, it's going to be safe uh as compared to uh just flying over land autonomously because something's going to go wrong um if we're going to do that we don't want to kill anybody that's it's like uh, we have uh, uh we have uh uh informal line in a company about you know what, what how we do thing is uh have fun look good and don't kill anyone so don't that's kill uh, anybody <laughs> i look forward to the line. day when you just quietly scrape that off of your wall just yeah. like google did with don't be evil i'm just joking yeah sure so i that. used to live on the 26th floor uh okay. now i'm on the second floor but when i look at the window I was thinking it'd be nice to have a, a launch platform just out out of my window, and yeah. whenever um, I, I want, I can just step out of the window and fly to a, another person's window, right? Why like, not? So that's the thing. <laughs> that's the <laughs> there is a jetpack delivery. Uh, one of the jetpack <laughs> companies, Gravity, they did a delivery for a pizza company. What was the pizza company? But they did a pizza delivery. Uh, just trying Jetpack. That was pretty cool. That's cool. But so going back to the to the window example, right? That's the kind of world we're trying to build. The, the final vision for the, the goal for building this technology so that uh, as a whole, we want the world to think about mobility differently. We want to think, design, move, and build differently when we are airborne. Like when we have access to the sky, just as we have the access to the ground, we're going to be able to build design differently. So that's the thing we're trying to get there. There's so much untapped potential in the sky. And we are taking that step to, uh, to enable, empower individuals to, to get to that point. How fun would that be? Before we get into the, how you did this, yeah, it sounds awesome. And obviously the, the concept is something that we can all instantly relate to. Before mm -hmm. we get into how and why you did this, uh, other than <coughs> watching Iron Man. Um, so talk to me about how far you are currently, because we've talked about this. You know, it's something that you're actively working on, and that's, mm -hmm. that's cool. So where are you at in terms of the development phase? What have you achieved? What's left to be achieved? Yeah, yeah. So we test um, at the airport of the Linden. Uh, New Jersey, 
So now we can go up and down in a, in a tethered or tethered testing facility. There's a zipline with the tether. We're not going to fly off into the into helicopters. But the next stage is to go uh, back and forth on, on the zipline. So that's what we are in terms of prototype development. And as for the product, so and on the engineering side, we're always um, pursuing the, the, the next on, on, in computer. We're pursuing either simulation or actual design for the product because we're actually having any traction in people wanting to buy systems from us. So sure. we are, uh, there's a customer in Dubai, which I'm probably not going to talk too much about, but they're looking to buy a certain number of jets from us. So we're in the middle of preparing that. So if we close awesome. that, that would be great because we then we have funds to start building actually, because we have all the Here's designs fun. and the simulations ready to start executing. That's awesome. And that's where we are. And of course, so you've been able to get up and you've been able to go one way on a, on a zip line. No, we haven't have... went forward yet because there's more tuning. Uh, oh, oh so literally all. up and then down, uh, but not down forward. The and then spot. the next yeah. step is forward and then backward, yeah, yeah. turning around. Okay, that's but still, like, uh, so you are making steps. So it's not just a pipe dream. It's something that you're actually, you have made significant progress on this then. Yeah, yeah. It, it's, uh, and it's pretty hard. <laughs> I mean, uh, I can only imagine. Yeah. Uh, so we have a team of seven, and then we have four full time working uh, on the in the company, from engineering to business development, and uh, two founders, uh, so cool. Andrea and I were were working working day and night trying to push this forward. So how many gallons of jet fuel or what kind of fuel powers this and how much do you yeah. need for even a relatively short flight? Because I could imagine it just being tons and tons of fuel to make this happen. Yeah, it is pretty intense. Um, so we use jet to answer what type of fuel is uh, right now we use jet A, uh, which is supplied from the airport directly is really convenient for testing. But the engine itself is also compatible with Sustainable aviation fuel, that's something we looked at. Even if we use sustainable aviation fuel, it's going to be uh, cheaper in terms of cost than going to uh, electric, for example, because batteries and things is going to get heavy and it's going to add a lot of cost to it. That's why we are sticking to jet engines for now for, for the launch sure. of our first uh, system. But eventually, we do believe electric is the future where, you know, as soon as something has higher power density that allows us to fly while carrying significant amount of weight, not just us, everybody will be jumping on board with everybody. this air mobility right. movement because that's the uh, technology that will allows, allow us to fly significantly uh, while not polluting too much and uh, making too much noise. And that's, that's where we are. Yeah. Do you think that's possible? Because I'm reading this book uh, from this guy. I, I don't know how to pronounce his name. Vaclav Smil, who's a really awesome author. Everybody should uh, check it out. It's called How Things Really Work or How the World Really Works. Um, and he talks about jets in particular as being the final frontier. It's going to be much more difficult, he argues, to transition into oh, basically away from fossil fuels. It's going to take way longer than we think. And jets and airplanes are specifically one of the hardest industries to take away from fossil fuels in general. Because the density of jet fuel and kerosene is so high 
that yeah. replacing that with anything electric is that's the farthest possible step from <clears throat> us at this point in time. But yeah. you believe that battery power it would be possible on a personal jet somehow? And would that still what would that be an engine? What would that look like? What kind of propulsion would make that happen? Yeah, so I am not an expert on batteries. I have this is my disclaimer, but like sure. I'm an optimist on technology, right? Like I I believe it will get there. But there are other things we can do, right? There people are investigating hydrogen, which is uh, one alternative converting hydrogen to electric fuel cells that can be used on larger aircrafts because the auxiliary components of for hydrogen is relatively heavy for a smaller aircraft, but if you have a size of Boeing or uh, Airbus uh, commercial jets, you can use those hydrogen-powered things. I believe they're doing investigation into it as well as a viable alternative. So that's something in the relative near timeline we might see, but in the way future, way future, maybe we'll have arc reactors in the future. Who knows? That would be something. Not, not yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. That would be amazing. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah. All right, so you're you're a kid growing up in in China, like you said, uh, 1995, right? You've, yeah. You're fascinated by basketball. You've seen this movie. Um, one of the things that you wrote in your bio was that you had a lot of opportunities to do some international study abroad, but you chose to not at first. Obviously, now you're in the United States. So yeah. Talk to me about that progression. First of all, why did you stay in China? How did you start your business? And when you said this is something that I actually want to do seriously, what were the first steps that you took? Oh yeah, about the international study is oh, it was just a trend where a lot of Chinese uh, families are taking their kids to study abroad. Uh, that trend I think went on until twenty nineteen until COVID, and then now it's gradually slowed it down. Stopped. Right. It's just like, I wonder yeah. why. What changed? Yeah. But uh, um, no, it was uh, study abroad was not really the goal for me. I, I wanted, I seriously wanted to play basketball in, in the NBA. And I trained, I woke up at six you know, earlier to train and went to school and after school. In lunch break, I, I played basketball. And after school, of course, there's the team training. So I, I was putting a lot into into that, but ended up as a jetpack maker. So life is funny sometimes. Um, and then Very I typical. Um, yeah, basketball what was the is second part of uh, everybody. Sorry, I didn't. Uh, so yeah, how did you you say okay? I want to do that. I see a movie, yeah. and that should be possible. Oh, I want to build that. Yeah. What did you actually do? What was the first step you took? Right. So the. When I saw that there is a, this, the company Gravity Industries already exists, Richard Browning, who is the inventor behind the jetpack system, behind Gravity. And what they have is, I believe, the, the minimalist way of a person can fly. They literally have uh, two sets of jet engines strapped to your forearm and one bigger engine in the back mm. that allows a person to fly like a tripod. By balancing uh, the forces on your arm and shoulder and direction, all of that is a trigger that adjusts the, the throttle level. Um, so I saw that. Then at the same time, I studied mechanical engineering and controls in university. And um, I was like, there's no reason for us to not automate the control on that system. Because in parallel, at the same time, drones is was already hot. Drones were like already taken off, and uh, 
landing no rocket intended. was was around the, the same corner too, like with SpaceX just land their uh, Falcon rocket, and um, we can do those things. Why not fly a jetpack autonomously? Because not only we will reduce the training time, make it more accessible, but most crucially, it will make everything more safe. Like uh, even though autonomous driving has not happened yet, but autonomous driving will make driving safer. And aircrafts, they fly themselves. They don't, like people don't fly aircrafts. There's so much autonomous control in aircrafts. Right. But this, yeah. So autonomy and computerized control yeah. is, we believe, everything we need to take safety and accessibility of personal air mobility system to the next stage. So we see those existing systems, right, uh, including gravity industry, JPEG Aviation, Tapada, and we see a potential <clears throat> to improve uh, to improve on the technology first. Then later down the line, well, we saw, we slowly realized <clears throat> um, there's so much potential it could be to impact the world and all the stuff I talked about earlier. That's one of the, <clears throat> one of the realizations I wrote in my bio. Right? In the beginning, you kind of just want to do something that's cool. But the reason I continue to work on this is because there's so much potential it could obtain like in the future, like we can't have people flying everywhere. So that's what excites me and the team a lot when we, when we do things day in, day out. So how many, how many years have you been working on this project now? Just uh, a little over four years. Like we incorporated the company, I incorporated the company right after I graduated because I'm kind of uh, one of those, if I want to do things, I'm just going to do it without considering too much because I graduated in May of 2019. Took some, I took a summer break to travel with my family on the East Coast of the US. And then in August 27th, of 2019, I incorporated the company. First things that I, you asked the first, so first thing I and do. You did it here. You incorporated <laughs> here in the U.S. Uh, Delaware, yeah. Okay. Uh, so, typical, uh, seaport. knowing that the United States, like you said, has the harshest regulations for airspace, what made you decide to build this company here? Uh, it was not really a decision. The United States, it's the most. Um, Talent in terms of talent, in innovation, thoughts, and openness to uh, knowledge, openness to new concepts, and uh, in general, the convenience of gaining getting everything uh, and the knowledge accessible to to people. This is the spot, and I went to. I've been here for since 2011. It it is a comfort zone for me, like the United States, being in the United States and working in my United States, because I like. At one point, I, I traveled back to China, right? But so the whole internet infrastructure is different. The, the way you get access to knowledge is different. Yeah. I just, in terms of convenience, I, I you know, I didn't really even think about going back and uh, open a company because it's just, uh, I want to do this. And I mean, the US mm. and it happens to be one of the most innovative countries in the world. And here I am. This podcast is brought to you by my agency, Aloha, that's A-L-O-A. 
a digital marketing agency that helps brands and nonprofits on a mission to improve the world tell their story. We do website prototyping, design, UI, UX, SEO, CRO, 3D design, video editing, commercial creation, 2D animation, industrial design, content management, learning management systems, and our roots are in e-commerce, managing and building extensive catalogs with hundreds or even thousands of products. In short, we do everything brands and nonprofits need to grow their digital presence with simple, transparent, monthly pricing that you can just build a package that's super easy and figure out exactly what you need to grow. Learn more at aloa.agency. That's aloa.agency. And now back to the show. So obviously something like this, you're talking about funding and what I had seen, maybe it's changed. I saw something that you raised, say 300,000, uh, 350 to get this thing off of the ground. Did you need funding from day one to start along these lines? Were you able to make some progress in advance? And how did you go about doing that? Yeah, yeah. I was uh, very fortunate that my family supports this. So we have a stake in the company as well. So like it's uh, this investment from myself or from family to the company. And after that, after like two years, we started getting outside capital. Right? And now it's like 60, 40, how the contribution is. Okay. Um, yeah, outside capital has been, we've been, it's been four years and uh, it's a long development cycle. Hard tech product takes a lot of money and effort to go into development. We're getting to a point where the first customer might come in. Uh, so after that, we should be uh, start selling the, the product and be self-sustaining. But before that, we're all relying on outside capital and the ability to continue to raise and convince people about the journey. That's another thing that I talked about in my bio, right? It's the it's ability to convince other people that you know this is not something stupid. Because right. in the beginning, like I was just graduating uh, university as an engineering student, there's really no, I have no skill set to talk about any of this stuff. And I have so many ideas, but I don't know how to communicate about uh, what I want and what the vision is. And now, like over the years, we've been refining the narrative, we've been refining the strategy to a point where it sounds feasible feasible enough for us for other people to put money into it for our early employees to put their time into it and i was really lucky to another thing is uh aside from the support from my family in the first year and immediately like after six months where i started the company i met uh my co-founder andrea who is uh an instrumental like it, it, without a co-founder it'd be really really hard to do this first of all technically technical side i'm a mechanical engineer and he's a uh, Electrical engineer. So together, like we can pretty much build anything. Um, and the the rest of it is just he's a more he's a quick learner in terms of communication, and he's been taking lead for uh, communicating about what the company does and helping. We together we craft the story of the company. And we've been, I started doing this because he's, he's Italian, like this is my, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry about, but like uh, the, the, we've been uh, pitching about the company together and we've been uh, just doing everything together. Like there's, there's nothing we don't do together for the company. So really lucky on that, have a great co-founder that can 
share a lot of responsibility, every responsibility that we have to propel the company forward. Because it's not just about technology, it's about communication, convincing investors um, and, and potential customers. Like he is the one that went to Dubai because I like we don't know where we're gonna sell the company, uh, sell the product in the first place because US is really hard. But then we uh, he got an award in Dubai, went to have a gave a speech and through a series of networking events. He's really great at networking and building a community around the com the people that we have met. So he's the one that facilitated all of the conversations on the business development side is for Dubai. And from a chain of events for over a few months, we got to that client and all of a sudden they said, oh, we want to buy a few systems on you. And that's our, you know, our big uh, break recently, awesome. which is uh, really like, well, it's, it sounds coincidental, but it's a lot of effort going behind the, the things to get to a point there's to make lucky things happen. can happen it, it looks lucky but it's because he put in a lot of time networking talking to people mm. pitching a company right we, we both do that as that's the one of the things that makes ours um uh our work together uh great is you know we both do things that founders that's that's so cool and you know i yeah. love the concept because it's something that a lot of founders experience, but especially when you're trying to do something like this, it's easy to see how there's so much downward force that's trying to prevent you from doing something that's crazy. Yeah. And I think a lot of people in their own personal lives don't do anything that's crazy or take a risk like this because it just seems stupid to do that. Even though maybe we all realize that on the other side of stuff like this, that all of the great innovations came from experiments like this, even if it's the car or anything else that we take for granted or the iPhone or whatever, it all mm -hmm. came from crazy experiments and people taking a chance on something at that time. So it's relatively early, but what's kept you going? Is it just the vision of the future? How have you kept yourself focused maybe when other people doubted you so far? Yeah, so... There are a few aspects to this. One is I, I truly believe in the mission. Like I discussed, you, know, you make people fly, it's going to change the world, change the way we view mobility. And the other thing is I'm just really interested in building a company. Like uh, I want to build something from the ground up. I was fortunate enough to have given the opportunity to do so. Like my family supports me, I have a co-founder. And people believed in me. And the reason I continue to do this is because there are people around me. It's not because of the people who don't believe in me, right? It's because of the people who believe. And I believe in myself and the people around me that believes in the company and the vision. So it's, it's the circle of support that we have for, for us to keep going. It's like we don't really care about mm. people who just don't get it. You know, yeah. there's... Um, yeah. So, so what excites you about building a company? Why is building a company something that you want to do in general? Mm. Yeah, so it's this urge to have birth something new that is 
organized and efficient and generally the the I like things that's organized although the background's kind of a, yeah I was gonna say like I'm getting mixed <laughs> messages here buddy <laughs> I know what the, I know what the visual this is, is going on LinkedIn just so you know uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding I'm just giving you a hard time yeah but um what, what fascinates me about companies, right? We, we want to take the company, we want to make a trillion dollar company, right? We want to um, build the company to a point where people think of flying, they think of us. And the intricacies of how a company works, how communication works for companies like, uh, look at examples, Apple, Nike. I, I enjoy, uh, even Disney, I enjoy reading stories about those companies, you know? Those books were uh, inspiration for where we want to be as as a company is having this collective mission with a group of people is what fascinates me. Like, mm. oh, I can tell you since we have time because I'm a huge fan of One Piece. Do you know what the? Uh, yes, I, I'm aware of the phenomenon, although I've never seen it. I know it's enormously popular, though. Yeah, there's a recent Netflix show that's uh, mm -hmm. why probably people have been hearing about it. Uh, but I've been reading it since like 2008. So I, got, uh, it's a story about a group of people going on a journey to find, um, the treasure. So it sounds very typical, but it's all about the friendship, camaraderie, and sense of shared goal in the journey. That's what fascinates me, right? There's this group of people who didn't know each other before and through some kind of event they met and they became friends and together they decided to do something and in the process there is going to be arguments there's going to be conflicts and there are uh but there's going to be resolutions so through the up and downs if we can stay together and we we build something that's useful this process is what fascinates me about building so you get to experience of the experience of something uh, building something new with a with a group of people. That's uh, the reason I mentioned one piece is uh, it's, it's very similar to what that story is about. Yeah, I get it. So I go check out the Netflix awesome. series. It's just okay, yeah, I have. <laughs> it pops up in my feed every day. I know there's a fanatical fan base who just loves this. I'm one of those. It. Okay, you're so one. I'm of them. actually. Right. <laughs> so in you're the, the story. reason. You're posing. Oh, okay. <laughs> I like so. I uh, funny story. I uh, yeah. mailed a letter to the author of One Piece, asking about whether um, this tower I see in, in my hometown where I'm from. It, did he take a scene? in the manga from that tower did he make that panel in the in the manga based on the tower in from my hometown and he replied and said yes um cool and it was that conversation was published in the book of manga in volume 80 i believe so i'm actually in the books nice. as, a, as a fan so i'm one of those fanatics what was the city what is your hometown uh it's called wenzhou wenzhou Okay. It's um, on the East Coast, which is uh, about 300 miles down south of Shanghai. Okay. It's really close to, to Shanghai. Taiwan as well. So it's like a, right across the, uh, the, okay. the gap uh, the, from Taiwan. Yeah. yeah. And uh, the, the author, uh, Oda Ichiro, 
he named the that island after me. So like, I'm nice. probably the, the one of the proudest achievements I have in my life so far. Because I'm yeah. so <laughs> right. I'm like, that's I'm here. So that. Rocket Company is below. <laughs> I understand. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm just uh, a big fan. No, that's, that's that's awesome. But I I completely yeah. agree with what you're saying there. And and I, I have a, a small company myself. I have about twelve people working for me. From I have a marketing agency, so a very different type of company. But I too have experienced that. And I love the way when you start growing something, the way that it starts to take on life. And building a business is very interesting. And it's an interesting puzzle. It's an interesting journey. I feel that it's also very powerful to have a group of talented and smart people working on the same set of problems. You also motivate each other. You can also uh, encourage each other to improve in their own skills individually, and that improves the collective output of the organization. So for me, transitioning from a freelancer to a business owner has been a very profound experience, and it's something that I also want to continue. I very, very much enjoy it and want to keep going with it. What possibilities um, go up? prompted uh, the transition? Is uh, this more demand? More demand and also greater complexity of projects. Mm. And you get to a point, and, and I read these books all the time as well. Like I read Bill Gates, Mike. I love autobiographies, biographies. Uh, you know, I read Henry Ford's biography a long time ago. I've been on this journey for, for several years. And it always struck me in the Henry Ford biography where he said that he only hired people that were smarter than himself. And that's something that's been passed around social media. But yeah. it's easy to read that. I think it's very hard for most people to understand how that happens. You think, how can I have somebody who's smarter than me working for me? And I'll admit in the beginning, it was tough for me to fully grasp how I would make that happen. I recognized why it would be a good thing but it was very hard for me to understand what I would need to do to make that happen. And eventually I got lucky enough that the complexity of projects that I needed to take on was greater than anything that I could personally do. And so out of necessity, I had to bring on experts in other subfields, people who could do much more than me in any of those subfields. And it, like many things, it starts with one person and then you have another and then you have another. And before you know it, you have five or six. And then before you know it, you have t 10 or 12 and uh, I'm very, 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 very confident in saying that every single person that I have who works for me in my company is absolutely smarter than me in what they're doing. <laughs> There's no doubt about that. They're better at what they're doing than I could be at what they're doing. And that is kind of scary because in the beginning, you feel like you lose some sort of control. Whereas before somebody says, fix this, I could just fix something. Now we're in a position where if somebody says, fix it, I'm not capable of fixing some of the problems that come to me in my company. And that is a little bit scary to lose that level of control. But once you kind of shift your brain and you kind of understand how that can make sense and you transition more into an organizational leader, then really good things start to happen. So it's, it's been very positive for me to do this, even yeah. though it's been scary. Yeah, I want to add on another layer of, uh, around control for for yeah. startups, ex uh, especially like for for a new company that's trying to do something new. Uh, there is really just zero and one, you know, like uh, this Peter Thiel's book, uh, Zero mm -hmm. to One. It's really like you either make it or you don't. So, yeah. in terms of sharing control and who does what, like we try to build a culture where 
as long as we make it work, like who cares who has control over what? You know, we, we're always trying to make this happen first, right? So make it one first. And then, like, we can figure out delegation, shared responsibility, and all of that. Of course, we have shared responsibility as well. Like, we all are jumping on board for tasks, things that uh, my co founder says uh, this line about being, being a co founder is uh, doing things that other people don't are not willing to do. Mm-hmm. It's basically we're picking up all the tasks that needs to be done, but we don't have the resource or capacity to do yet. Like we're just learning things on the fly. We're picking things up uh, because we're a startup. We're just trying to make it work. Yeah, you just, yeah by any means necessary. And mm-hmm. and one thing that I think that people don't understand, this is a valuable tidbit for anybody who's still listening at this point. Uh, Chris Doe, you might be familiar with him from the future. Uh, he's a well-known internet personality who owns who owned an agency and now teaches his skills on YouTube. Um, very interesting content. But he had a quote some years back where he was talking to a group of people who wanted to build an agency or to expand what they were doing, mostly freelancers. And he said, you sell what you can do. I sell what anybody can do. That's kind of a, I'll use the language, that's kind of a mind fuck for everybody because like, what does that mean, right? You know, it's like, I'm a coder, I can code for you. I'm a graphic designer, I can make graphics. So most people sell, if they're freelancers, what they can do. Or even if they're employees, they sell what they can do. Here's what I can offer your company. I can do these things and that's it. But to get to a place where you're selling what other people can do, that's the shift to the business owner and to the agency owner in that world that is a difficult but such, such, such an important step to make if you want to unlock the scale of going beyond and unlock bigger projects and more meaningful output. And I think for people like you and me, and for all entrepreneurs, especially if somebody like you wants to build a trillion-dollar company, if you want to do more things and if you want to do more complex things, you absolutely can't do it by yourself, so you have to make that leap or you'll never grow. Wouldn't you agree mm-hmm. with that? Yeah, yeah. And uh, the key thing is communication. I, I truly believe like you have yeah. to talk so much within the company with other people from the company. Like right now, the co-founder, two co-founders, Andrea and I, we just mm-hmm. talk all day. That's what we do now. Mm-hmm. Of course, there's a dude. I was just at the airport from uh, 8 p.m. to 12 p.m. last night trying to squeeze in some prototyping engineering, but most of the time when other people are working, we're talking with them. Like during normal business hours, we're just talking. Off hours, we're sending emails and working on engineering. I think you're right. I mean, as we wrap this up, communication is the most important thing. And I've always said this, talking about Netflix or drama, the source of all drama and tragedy, in my opinion, is a lack of communication. Anytime you watch a show that has a tragic oh, yeah. ending or a movie, it's a it's lack so of communication, right? Somebody has a piece of information. Just oh, talk I, to them. I love you, but I won't tell you. Uh, 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 just say, <laughs> say what you really feel. People just don't communicate. It's, it's true in a business. And we have three deal breakers that I came up with in my company. Only three. First of all, I don't care whether somebody uh, works from nine to five. I don't care where they work or how they work, but I have three deal breakers that will get somebody instantaneously fired from my company, uh, no matter how long. One is if they don't communicate, that's rule number one, don't communicate. Number two, don't do what you say you're going to do. And number three, don't deliver high quality work. That's it. 
So if, if I tell you I'm going to do this by Friday and it's not done by Friday, we have a big problem. Or if there's something that's happening to me and I don't tell you in advance that it's happening, I don't communicate, we have a big problem. And of course, yeah. the last one is do good quality work because, again, that's more important than when somebody does that work. You know, I don't care if you do the good quality work at 3 a.m. or at 9 yeah, a.m. or if you do it at the, home or at a cafe. Who cares, right? Yeah. None of the rest matters to me. And when the work is delivered, also is pending on communication because yes. in our line of work, like in our thing, often, more often than not, things get pushed, the deadline get pushed because there's some complication that has come up. But that's where communication comes in. Like we have to right. talk to each other about what's what's been going on. And that's certainly one of the things I learned on this trip. Right? Like in the beginning, I was just a university graduate, right? I didn't, or school projects, but I was not life my life is not dependent on it right so it's like it's real now so yeah communication in real life is just <laughs> yeah, everything right. uh, otherwise so. you show up in dubai and it's like oh sorry we don't have anything you're like no yeah. i wasted a flight yeah. uh well, that's cool, man. You are a fascinating individual. I knew this was going to be a fun talk. I appreciate you very much um, taking the time. I, I think it's awesome. I look forward to you achieving your goal. It's it's a crazy goal. It's a big goal. But I think you seem like you're uniquely poised to do it. I'm excited for you. I hope that you land that contract that unlocks future growth. So you and I will be in touch, and I'll keep monitoring from afar. If you land it or something, just drop me a note because I'd love to see it. I'd love to yeah, see it as you yeah. kick it I'll into I'll put you on our newsletter, year. too. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, I'd yeah. definitely be interested. And for all the people who might want to follow you, obviously the website is exovolar.com. That's E-X-O-V-O-L-A-R.com. Yeah. Uh, what would you say to anybody else who might want to support you or become a part of your mission? Yeah, if you want to follow us, follow us on LinkedIn. Follow uh, My co-founder actually posts a lot on LinkedIn. So he's the, uh, the, I guess, the social media we don't have a position for it, but he does social media for the company. His name is Andrea Giannini. So, uh, G-I-A-N-N-I-N-I, Andrea. So, follow him and follow me. I, I mostly just repost his stuff. And I write a bi-weekly newsletter if you want to follow us. So, that's something I do on the communication, public communication side. He posts on LinkedIn, I, I write the newsletters. Uh, if you want to do that, you can follow that newsletter from our website. If you want to follow our journey. That sounds great. And yeah. last question, what are you most excited about for the future? Oh, man. Other than, other than this, other than the flying thing? Yeah, however you interpret it. Yeah, I'd like to see uh, fusion energy, space elevators, immortality. Three things. Nice. Um, I actually just wrote a script on a YouTube video about immortality. I wrote a 24 minute rant on immortality. I find it such a fascinating world. Yeah. Yeah. I'll let you hear it. All right. I'll, I'll put, it'll be on this podcast. Yeah. So that'll be out yeah. in a little bit. I, I, I hope you like it, but I put a lot of research into it. And uh, I, these yeah. are the types of topics that fascinate me. You know, like you see the yeah. background. I love thinking about the future. I love talking about the future, good and bad. Mm -hmm. And I love chatting with people who are taking the future into their own hands and that's obviously what you're doing. And that's why I have respect for the endeavor, you know, regardless of the outcome. I think it's very impressive what you're doing. So I wanted to Thank give you. a chance Thank for you, you to share your story and to, you know, to motivate you to keep going. So that's why I'm here. Um, but yeah, I appreciate you, How It's been really cool to get to know you. Um, and with that, uh, the official podcast is over. 
Thanks again for listening to another episode of the Beat the Often Path podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode or any of the episodes we've shared, it would mean a great deal to me if you subscribe to the podcast on your platform of choice or on YouTube. And of course, if you shared either the show itself or this particular episode with somebody who might want to hear it to help us grow the audience for the show, I would greatly, greatly appreciate it. So if you've been a passive listener all this time, I get it. I understand. There's no big deal with that. But it would really, really mean a lot to me if you'd leave a positive review and help me grow this show. So thanks again for listening, and I'll see you next time.